Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. We are back for another Thursday of the Paula Price Show. And I think it's really uh, important to say we are back. (laughs) Yeah, we were here too, please. Yes, and last Thursday we were in the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Ooh, so the saints missed their apostle, I'm sure, who were not here, but so many of the saints were here. We had a great turnout from our uh, social media audience, and I want to thank every one of you for just helping us do Scripture organic prophetics. You know, you cannot have just a piece of it. One of the things that I absolutely love about the journey that the Lord took me on, hallelujah, and the price that I paid, but I love the fact that it let me know you can't start out with something new with just random pieces. And so I was excited. I was really excited when God said, well, we're going to have to build a scripturally organic fivefold because that's what apostles do. Now, those of you who have been following me for some time, what I'm about to say will be kind of, you know, repetitive, but, you know, Peter said, it doesn't bother me to keep repeating it, to stir you up to good works. I like that. And, you know, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And everything about God is line upon line upon line. We never hear that third line, that third one. You know what I'm saying? No, I remember when you first said that. Okay. Like, yeah, no, last year or something. And I'm like, third one? I know, exactly. Yes, a line upon line upon line and precept upon precept upon precept, which lets you know that God delivers things in the threefold of foundation, three stages, three lines three dimensions of precepts. And so so we're always covered by the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I just thought that was interesting. I have fun with those kinds of things when I am reading Scripture. So, But what you know that apostles, there are two types of apostles. They are found, well, actually, there are more than two. But I'm going to mention two today. Another one might slip in. But there are two types of apostles. There are the apostles that God commissions directly as the sovereign and the nation of the nation of Jesus Christ. See, because some of you all have these questions. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to run past it today. (laughs) But there are apostles who were, that God commissioned directly. And if you look at scripture, it makes a big deal about that. And then there are apostles that the commissioned apostles, um, I would call them that that first strat of apostles commissioned to, uh, to, um, exercise their authority, and then there are apostles, see, I already went to the third one, there are apostles who are sent out by the churches. So if you notice, those are different commissions. And so so some of you are like, I don't know how he could be an apostle or she can be an apostle. Nine times out of ten, you're right, in today's 
you know, uh, title-grabbing environment, because that's what it is. It's all about title-grabbing. So you might be right, but understand that God has those apostles that Jesus Christ personally commissioned. And he appears to them. He imparts to them the commission. He gives them all kinds of information. He brings them into his world so that they know it's so. And then you have those that, that fit the definition of a Messiah who just walked with the Lord, walked in his teaching, and just kind of was with the apostles, never missed a session, that he couldn't get involved in because commissioned apostles are very, you know, Jesus, you know, personally commissioned apostles have a different set of classes and trainings from the king and et cetera. And then you have those who are apostles to the churches, who the church sends out because a, a, a work has been formed, it's been founded, and now it, they're being dispatched. So we have those. And then you have, you have uh, within that, you have two dimensions of commissioning, those that are just, you know, hey, your commission, uh, we recognize there's that recognized apostle, and then there is that commissioned apostle who, is, who God has given what, what, what we could call a portfolio or a, 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 a manual. I like using that word, a manual of royal service, and that's that's a big difference because you have the first running on their gifts and their talents, you have the second running on a particular delegated assignment or commission where they are commissioned by God to bring something into existence. You have to know that because some of you, everybody's looking for apostles, and I want to find my own, and, and there's, I'm not criticizing that. That's not what this talk is about right now, but there are those who are who are the, the first rank, apostles of the first rank or the first order, those are the ones that the first meeting first, meaning they're the ones that lay the foundation. So they're going to introduce something new. God's going to use them to kickstart something new, to shift, to define, to develop, etc. That's a different dimension. You know, those are what you would call that chief apostle, for lack of a better word. But then you have those that the apostles themselves commission to to cover their bases, fill in their ranks. What did it say about Matthias? It said, well, you know, he walked with Jesus, but Jesus, he saw Jesus distantly, you know, remotely. He saw Jesus as, an, as, as a member of his audiences, as a member of his followers. He did not have close, intimate relations with Jesus Christ. He did not have that up-close commission. That he inherited from the apostles that commissioned him. Because remember, Judas died, so they left an opening. Because at that time, remember, the apostles started out in the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we, had, we needed one apostle per tribe. We got down to that last tribe, and, well, it didn't have anybody because Judas died. So before the Holy Spirit could come, Peter says, wait a minute, we, we're short an apostle. We got a shortage. We're a short one. We, we have to find another one who's going to replace him. And so they set two men in front, but not before Peter, you know, let, realized from Jesus Christ that the scriptures on their calling was about to be only partially fulfilled because they said, you know, David had, had already prophesied in the Psalms that one of them would fall from grace and would leave a place for another apostle to come. So sure enough, and it said God's solution was his bishopric, and let another take. So Peter said, well, who is going to take up his part, his 12th of that apostleship? And so they ended up, they, they, they cast lots and whatever, they, you know, and they ended up with Matthias. And so once Matthias was in place, it was just in time for the Holy Spirit's arrival. 
so that all of the 12 tribes would have a representative apostle that would, take, that would close out Moses' law and initiate and launch, you know, Jesus' global initiative which is that all Gentiles will be partakers of the commonwealth, of Israel's commonwealth, because that was it. The, the global apostleship, you're going to love this. This is really interesting. But global apostleship is what, it was God fulfilling his word to Abraham. The apostles' initial commission was to wrap up Moses' law. Two separate objectives, two separate commissions. And so the global was about God's promise to Abraham. We get so caught up in the Mosaic era, you don't forget. You forget that it began with Abraham and not Moses. Moses brought us the law to, to, to tutor us into the faith of God, to let us know how heaven does things and how our nation and its king does things. That was Moses's job, and that was not um, that was not done away with. It was absorbed again in Jesus Christ. But it was it was Abraham that allowed God to take in the nations because he had prophesied in Abraham that in you all nations will be blessed. So when you are fulfilling your, uh, your apostleship mandate as a Gentile as opposed to as a Jew, that's where God is going. Because see, it's, it's God, Abraham was Gentile. He had, when he found him, he wasn't a Jew because Jews didn't exist. We don't even know what they, you know, that came later down the line. And so when you, look at, when you look at apostles and you look at how God brings them on, sometimes we just need to sit down instead of being so much in a hurry to get the mic and to get the business card and to get the following, that we need to sit down and literally think about how God does things because God has, God's a God of order. So he turns around and we have this, this third group, this third group, which is, uh, you know, when you talk about apostles to the churches, and we have that, that's another group. Now, that's a group that may have been part of Jesus' audiences, may have been part of his following, some of the disciples, um, you know, and all of that. But they were not a part of that first group or college of apostles. Now, interestingly enough, Moses, who kickstarts it all, he does it not under the law because he has to go get the law. He has to go up to the mountain. He hasn't been to the mountain. But yet he does it to prove that this thing has, has more to do with God's uh, particular objectives for the planet than it does for any particular group. So when we have all of these discussions about whether or not, uh, you know, they should exist, I'm just giving you just a little bit of backstory. But that first group is the group that starts the ball rolling. They get the whole initiative. They get the entirety of what God wants. Let's, again, take Moses as an example, you know. And we could even go back to Abraham, but we know God called Abraham a prophet. But let's go to Moses. Now, Moses, God called Moses a prophet, but everybody accepts because of how Moses left the planet and the Lord closed out his, his era, he said, he, when he brought Moses on, he said, I will do with you the likes of which I've never done with anyone else, and I will never do it again. And so when, it's, when we close out, and you go to, well, before we close out, we go to Numbers 12, 6, where God said, but what differentiates Moses, what distinguishes Moses, was that God knew him face to face. The prophets hear God by dreams, similitudes, visions. Moses, he said, not so with my servant Moses. I talked to him 
face-to-face, face-to-face. In the original language, is mouth-to-mouth. In other words, God, I breathe my words into his mouth. I breathe my thoughts into him. Moses sees the form of the Lord. See, that visual. Moses sees the form of the Lord because he's got to go and take on all of these nations, protect all of these, all of his countrymen that have come out of Egypt. He's got to set up a, a nation, set up a community in the wilderness. He's got to come up with the laws, the institutions, and on and on and on because it doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Isn't that good? Don't you like that? So that's why. He had God. He has to know God is real. He has to know God is God exists, and he has to know that God is in control. He Moses up on that mountain. He said, "But surely the Lord has come with ten thousands of His angels." He wasn't up there all alone, just him and God. God came with the host of heaven because He needed angels on the ground to spiritually fulfill Moses's commission, Moses's assignment from Him. So he had to have these, all of these angelic people, these, this whole uh, uh, embassy from heaven, this whole detachment from heaven that would attach itself to his earthly work, to his physical work, so that he could succeed because Moses was facing off with all of the gods that had been in power until God decided I'm coming to let my people go. When God starts saying let my people go, all the rules change. So Moses is different. Now, no other prophet has that every other prophet was obligated to Moses' law. Lord, I love this thing. Every other prophet was duty-bound to uphold Moses' the government that God sent to the planet to Moses. You flowing with me? You guys flowing with me out there? Because this is, imp- this is important because these are fine points will help us really start sifting because God said, I'm sifting this thing. I'm getting ready to shift, and I'm sifting this thing. So every prophet until up, into, up to and including Jesus Christ and the 12 were, were bound, was bound to what God told Moses to do, everyone. So they, didn't, they couldn't come making up something new. They couldn't come doing anything else. Paul said, hey, I laid a foundation because I'm going somewhere, and you have to build on the one we laid. So Moses comes as that one. So again, no law, no nation. Abraham, no law, no no nation. Abraham has a covenant called circumcision. The end, circumcise your sons. But Abraham proved himself because Abraham didn't just go through that perfunctory act at the word of the Lord. He also understood that with that action came other duties and responsibilities and obligations. And so God comes and he, he, he makes some statement. He said, I'm going to make Abraham heir of the world because he'll teach my children. He'll teach his children to know me, to obey me. Your ministry will never grow higher than the submission of your children because if you couldn't sell them, how are you going to sell everybody else? So if you sell out for your kids, you're going to sell out everything else. So, and we talked about that here at the event. So now we come down to Moses. Moses, you cannot say Moses, was, uh, Moses began under the law because he didn't. There was no law. There was no nation. There was just a tribe, a, a, a bunch of people. Now, there, was the, the, there were obviously Abraham's progeny, but that's it. There was no nation. And so when Moses came down and he inducted that whole Sinai thing, then a nation was born. 
So they have to have nations have that reason to be exist other than just simply a bunch of people who agree or a bunch of um, offspring from a particular uh, founder, self-progenitor, if you will. So we go on down the line. We get to Jesus. Jesus comes under the law. And, yeah, I keep teaching this because there are a lot of people who need answers. Not everybody wants to just blow the answers to the wind. Not everybody just wants to jump into the office. Some people want to do it right. So we come down to Jesus. Jesus comes under the law. And under the law of Moses, he's obligated to the law. So he cannot come declaring himself to be an apostle. However, he has and is an apostle. We don't find that out till Hebrews 3. So he comes and he, 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 what does he do? He does something that makes absolutely no sense. He doesn't come and start a whole bunch of, of, of a whole new prophetic company that already exists under, under John the Baptist. So he doesn't come starting a whole new prophetic company. He comes establishing 12 apostles. Because Jesus knows I'm the shift. I'm the change agent. And if I'm going to change, you can't change without first preparing and educating those to help you carry out that change. So what does he do? He goes, and of course we know since John the Baptist is is outside of the, the whole rabbinical community, John the Baptist is the only one that ha- that's gathering new folks like that in the name of the Lord. So we know Jesus started out with prophets, but they were still prophets of the law of Moses. So we go on, and so Jesus goes, and he, he, he begins to, he, he, set, he identifies the 12, he gets them going, begins to train them, he, he develops them for three and a half years, and he comes back, and he gives them a 40-year final course, 40-day, rather, final course, for every year that his nation was in bondage, in captivity. Okay, so he goes and brings them up, you know, 400 years, 40, and 40 is the number of rulership. When, you know, when you hit 40, you're supposed to be ready to take the reins of rulership because, see, they don't rush you. Today we do it when you're 10, but that's not how God does it. God doesn't honor that. He can't honor it because there's no, for, no plan for it. So he, come, he, he comes in, he makes the 12, Jesus goes to the cross, dies, Rises from the dead, come back, has his 40-day plan, but Matthias is not in it. He has a plan with 11 apostles. Matthew 28 was given to 11 apostles. See, these are just fine points that we don't like. And so Matthew and a few others, so they're given 11 apostles. So when you say go make disciples of all nations, he gave that to 11, the 11 his 11 surviving apostles. They survived his death, his, Judas' death, and they're, they're there. And he's recommissioning them. Now, but they're waiting. So Jesus gives them their final classes and gives them their final instruction. He goes back home, and he says, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Very important, power from on high. So they do that. But it, while they're waiting, it, God obviously communicates to Peter you're short an apostle. And hence, they go through the process of of selecting and electing Matthias, setting the stage for something to come later on. So they do that, and and then as soon as Matthias is in, Holy Ghost falls. 
But do you know you don't really hear about what he's doing as anything distinguishing? Because he was never in those closed sessions. He was never in that first circle of apostles' training. He was the fruit of the apostles, but the, the, the founding ones were the fruit of Jesus Christ. So he was never in. Jesus didn't train a Matthias. He did not do all of those kinds of things. But yet he validated him and he acknowledged him at, because he had chosen him as a second strata of apostles. So we go on and we come on down. But then there's a Paul. Now, I'm telling you, this thing, if we, if we would listen, if we would just have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, a lot of us can protect ourselves and defend ourselves and all of that from this mayhem of this, I can, I'll do it because I can. And who are you to say? So I'm giving you this because there are, there are signs and stories and criteria for apostleship in Scripture. We don't have to take somebody's word for it. Every, I mean, people aspire to what they think to be prestigious posts all the time. Nobody secularly takes their word for it like that, only in the church. So Paul comes on the scene. The apostles go out. They do what they do. They have a great move of God. God's showing off. Things are wonderful. And others, they're picking up others along the way as they go into the various Gentile regions. Then here comes Paul. Saul, who's killing them, you know, because Saul's faithful. He's so faithful. I'm going to kill him for you, God. I'm going to stamp it out. And somebody needs to do this. He's faithful. He's so faithful. He is all in the way. You know, a lot of Christians are like that. They're so faithful. They're all in the way. Frustrating the Lord's hands, hindering this, hampering that, and on and on. God catches him on the road. Jesus did not let the apostles discover Paul, first of all, because they wouldn't, because they've been too scared, because he had the state backing him. So so if they came up, he could kill them. They did not trust that. So Jesus himself comes to call Paul, to call Saul. And he calls him. We know the story. Most of us knocks him off the horse, blinds him so that he can see the truth. Because sometimes God has to blind you to your culture so you can see the truth. And so he blinds him. And sends him home, and then sends an Ananias to come and, you know, whatever. But then Jesus begins to train Paul personally like he did with the first 12. He, he made Paul who he was. He trained him, and he trained him even more expansively and extensively than he did the first 12 because Jesus is now the resurrected God. He's sovereign. He's, he's trained Paul as the sovereign on the throne and not just the sovereign incarnated to walk the earth as a man. Jesus is his death. He's got a, he's got a birth certificate. He's got a death certificate. He's got a tomb. He's got everything. He's, he, he's lived the Holy Spirit. And so now he's the everlasting risen Christ. And so he trains Paul, or Saul still at that time. We don't know when he changed his name. But he trains, he trains Saul personally with everything that he gave the original 12 and more besides. We know it's more besides because Saul is writing things that they only allude to. He takes Paul 
to heaven. Three times. Now, with Moses, he came down from heaven. Didn't he? He came down from heaven. With Abraham, he came down from heaven. With the apostles, the first apostles, he came down from heaven. He knocks Paul off his horse and then takes him to heaven three times. Why? Because Paul has to face off with more than a single nation. He's got to face off with all nations and all gods. Paul's education to make him a rabbi had already schooled him in all of those other deities. So he was well-versed in them. That's why he could discern what was what and who was who, because he was well-versed in them. Because by the time Jesus came, his nation had become very, very blended with the the cultures and the deities of the world. So God takes Paul to heaven, and he trains him, and he shows him the future. He shows him all of that. John doesn't get it until late in his life. He catches John up to heaven for the revelation on Patmos. But every other time, he comes down. Now, he came to train Himself, because all of those apostles had one thing in common. They had to do sovereign business on earth the way they did it in heaven and the way they do it in heaven. You'll know a real apostle because they're not trying to keep you comfortable on earth. An apostle who's been with Jesus Christ is never going to make you feel that it's okay to stay as you were. They will never do it because they've already met the world to come. They've seen Paul talks about the world to come all the time. The apostles talked about the world that was and the world to come. These apostles today, they're making you comfortable with culture. They're making you comfortable with your old ways. They're telling you it's okay to be whatever, loose, lewd, and all of that other stuff. They're making you okay with that. That is because they're not first rank, first strata apostles. They're not the prime ministers. They're high officers, but they're not the prime ministers of the throne because you cannot. You cannot be a prime minister and allow folk to continue to live that way if you're serving Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's the way of the world. That's not the way of the kingdom. So Paul understands that. And so he is working with them. We, we hear so many pastors say, well, Paul didn't mind and whatever. He minded. That's why he wrote about it. If he didn't mind it, he wouldn't have written about it. He wrote about idolatry. He wrote about adultery. He wrote about fornication. He wrote about homosexuality. I know, you know, I, I, I look at all of this, and like Paul wrote that. He wrote about loving your neighbors. He wrote about God being first. He wrote about not having any other God. He wrote about sanctification. He wrote about holiness. All of those things are, are themes of an apostle who has been with Jesus Christ. It's not about whether or not you have 200 churches or 1,400 churches. He set up nation states for the kingdom of God. The ecclesia did not start out as a congregation. It started out as a nation. And Paul dealt with them as the head of a nation, as a representation of the head of a nation. Their nationality was the divine Godhead. They were literal offspring of the Godhead, and he wanted to let them know, no matter where you are in the world, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is what Jesus accomplished. So you have dual citizenship, and he let them know that. 
You're going to honor your nations and your states and wherever you are. Until God creates something else, that's what you do. But apostles who have been that first strata of apostles, those real prime ministers that God has throughout the planet, they don't let you stay like that. They don't, they don't let you run up in there with your little tight jeans on because they know where it came from. They don't let you run up there with your little tight pants. They don't let you run, run up there with your little open shirts, your plunging necklines. They don't let you run up there looking like you belong to Isis, Ishtar, Molech, or Apollo. They don't let you do that. And they don't do it because the purpose of apostleship is to draw God's people out from other deities' lives, lives and cultures. That is the purpose, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That's an apostle's mandate. They cannot endorse Satan's ways, cultures, and consciousness in their commission. They can't abide by it. But, now I want to say this, those who are made by other apostles can, because they weren't in the main class. They don't know. So to them, they often feel like they have an option whether or not they want to believe or not, whether they want to see it or not. Because every apostle of the first order has been with Jesus Christ. They know his issues. They know his problems. They know his battles. They know his adversary. They know his losses, his hurts, his pains. They know it because he brought them into it. And those that say it doesn't matter, those are the ones who are the Messiah's order. You know, the Messiah's order. Matthias, he didn't, he just went, I'm just doing what they do. But the rest of them, mm-mm, not so. Every one of those apostles will talk about it. Even John talked about the wicked one. Cain was of the wicked one. They, they, how did he know that? Because God gives the first order of apostles his history to enable their destiny. So, you know, they can, you, you can listen to all of that other stuff. People can jump up and say, I'm an apostle. I'm, you, what you need to know is that they're not the first order. They may be the second. Maybe some apostle made them, but then they better make. But then you need to determine if that apostle that made them was not of the Matthias order. Because those that Paul made, they followed Paul's rigidity, and every one of those, that first order of apostle brings a, a government. They bring an order, and it is not. A preferential one. I, I, you know, when I heard apostles said government, I was looking for some real, you know, poli diplomatic, you know, something, whatever, legislative. I wasn't looking for rules about how to treat me as an apostle. I wasn't ready for that or how to behave yourself in the local church as an, in this particular church. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for something more constitutional because that's what we're supposed to be, constitutional. I wasn't looking for, for social policies. I wasn't looking for those kinds of things. So I was stunned when I realized that what I was looking for is not what the, uh, we were going to get, you know, and all of those kinds of things, how to treat the people. No, there's a whole lot, of, a whole lot to do before we get to, like, teaching people how to treat Jesus. Half of you all know how to treat the set man more than you know how to treat Jesus Christ who said it. But that's founding apostles. Those first order are always constitutional, and it's always the constitution of God's world. 
divine constitution upon which Jesus Christ based all of his life on. That's a statement. And I know some of you very astute, but that's a statement. God tells his story to his apostles. And then by the time it gets down to the next generation, those apostles of the churches are just what it says. They are apostles to go out and tend to the churches. And they're not the same as those global apostles who have to disciple nations by gaining audience and the favor of heads of state. Very different. Very different. And so we have these, all of these battles because I, I like doing this. I really do. Because there are people who want to get it right. True apostles who've been with Jesus Christ understand the urgency of his righteousness. Righteousness is an urgent matter for them. That's an urgent business. They're not pacifists. They're not the pastor that says, well, it's okay. Well, they can't do anything. Well, you know, the people are mad. Well, the people are unhappy. Why did Saul lose his position? The people. That first order apostles loved the people but they revered the king. And the reverence for the king takes precedence over the people's issues. If you're that order, if that's the level you are. You know, some of you have said, well, how do we know and how do we get the signs and what do I look for? Yeah, look and listen. These are the things that you should look for and listen for. Don't just look. Well, he's cute, he's tall, she's fine, she's, she's friendly, she's like us. If your apostle is like you, get scared. We're all supposed to be human, but we're not all supposed to be cultural. So if your apostle is a lot like you in your culture, then you need to find out if that's a Matthias order, if in fact they are, or if that's an apostle of the churches. Because the apostle of the churches are going to make the people comfortable. I had a, a uh, summit once. <clears throat> I don't know how many years back that was. Actually, probably know. And I'm sitting there thinking I, I wanted to have these, you know, these senior apostles. I brought, was it three? Three of these quote-unquote, you know, um, existing apostles in, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be rich. I was so unready for a lesson in how to conform the church to culture. I'm, in, I'm telling you, I'm in the back room, and these people are school. I'm like, but wait a minute, is that? Apostleship? Well, yeah, but we don't we don't involve the people. No, no. Let me tell you something. That was a good experience for me because I started looking for differences, and I started trying to understand. And every one of them was right in their strata. They just weren't right for my strata. They were correct for what God called them to do, but they were not for me. And so I want you to think differently. And then there's, there are the apostles that are just, we're just going to lay hands on you and send you out. And then there are apostles that received an outright commission from the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're not the same. One is told where to go. The other one creates the places to go. So that's just, you know, I wanted to get some of that out, you know, to, to just share with you so that you understand this. So now, Paul had received from God. He said, I received a dispensation of grace. He said, I received a message. I received commandments from God. I received an order. I received a structure. I received a piece of this constitution, and, and I received some grace, and I received some virtues and favor and, 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 and powers 
to accompany them to complement what my commission is. Every commission has some complement that makes sure it works. I received a doctrine. See, there are elements that have little to do with the popular doctrine that's out there. If you're called to that first strata, then you need to find out who else is in that college with you. If you're called to the Matthias strata, you need to find out who else is in that because those 11 all had the same message. And they had the same message, which were the message and message of the kids. And, 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 and it was the, the mandate was they had to de- decrease. In effect, when you take on this office properly, you disappear. Because after all, you are just a representative. You are just an agent. So you disappear. And while you, dis- you go from decreasing as a prophet, decrease, apostles disappear. We are hidden in Christ. You see? So there is, there is a whole structure that, that should be known and that ought to be known. But as surely as Jesus is Lord, they will be known. And then there are, those, there are apostolic bishops who are not apostles. They're apostolic, but they're bishops. And they act like bishops. They talk like bishops. They communicate like bishops. Uh, and, and you think about it because they're apostolic everything because the, that apostle of the first order has to lay the foundation for everything, the people to come. The fivefold has to come out of them. The officers have to come out of them. The leaders have to come out of them. Everything because nothing exists because you're getting another measure, another portion of what God wants to accomplish in the earth in that particular era. And it's always about an era with the pastor. When God has a new era, he comes out with new methods. He builds upon. I know some people say that he does away with, and I don't think so. I think he builds upon. But I think that he also builds upon what he did. He doesn't build upon what it became when humanity decided to adapt it to the world. So God will always ignore world adaptations, and it looks like he's doing something that's never been done, when in fact he's going back to his first foundation. Jesus said, my doctrine is not new. He said over and over again, my doctrine is not new. If you knew the Father, you'd know me. If you knew Moses, you know me. If you believed Abraham, you'd believe me. He kept telling you, I'm the foundation. I'm coming to re to clear away the garbage. I'm going to gut this building. I'm going to clear away all of the trash. I'm going to do all of that so we can start on the foundation that I have. My foundation is gold, and I have a golden foundation that I'm always having to repair or resurface. And so he comes and he does that, and he says, now this is what we're going to do. So then many, many times, you know, when you think about all of you all who are, who are uh, getting caught up and summoned by God in the scripturally organic, culturally modified message and doctrine, you understand that you are becoming to be that new, that, that re- restored institution. So you're going to be the organic prophets and organic, scripturally organic prophets and scripturally organic pastors and evangelists and teachers and, and, and apostles and elders and deacons and bishops, all of that under this particular message and method. It's a powerful thing. Now, the, and Paul said, there is no other foundation that can be laid than what I laid. 
And they talked about, if they don't come speaking this gospel, you must be saved according to this gospel. Peter, you must be saved according to the commandments of his apostles. Why? Because God is resetting. You want to say God resetting order, and you think, well, okay, so the overlook gets a chance. That's not God resetting order. God resetting order is gutting what has taken over his foundation and building once again for the present generation who, don't, who doesn't know him his order from heaven, the heavenly template comes again. The heavenly structure, the heavenly blueprints and architecture comes again. And it's always, I'm going to end it on this statement, and it's always on the word that God spoke. He filters, he sifts, he shakes and separates because God cannot honor a lie. He cannot back a lie. He cannot honor a lie. He cannot honor error. He cannot, no matter how well-intentioned it is, he cannot bless wrong because he's the God of truth and he's the God of righteousness. He, is the, he holds the archetype, the prototype, and all the patents, all the trademarks, and all of the methods and processes. That, and he cannot do what Satan has, has created because then he's saying his own was wrong and he loses his status as God of God. Hey, so Prophet Ashley, how'd you like it? I ended on a nice note for you. You did. For you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to do it for you again. I appreciate the whole order of apostles. And which order either are you or were you, well, I can't even say commission. Because mm-hmm. A lot of these are. Actually don't have a commission. They don't. They haven't been appointed. They got oil. Recognized. They have oil on but not commission. Mm-hmm. And so this brought so much clarity. I'm going to make sure our whole class sees this one today. <laughs> answers a lot about the different emphases of different apostles and why some, even whether they've had the training or not, mm-hmm. by nature are that first order of apostles is going to be government, it's going to be protocol, it's going to be God, and mm-hmm. not just, <clears throat> excuse me, not just heavy-handed for the sake of heavy-handed, mm-hmm. but definitely orderly, and, well, legalistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, we, we say we hate things being legalistic and legalism or whatever, but as soon as the law is not in effect, mm-hmm. we have a whole church hurt mm-hmm. move. Exactly. I mean, we have preached ourselves right into abuse. Mm-hmm. Freed ourselves into abuse. Yes, yes. we've demanded mm-hmm. that these rules be removed. We've demanded that God is not bound by all these things. And so when they're removed, there's no accountability or little or limited accountability. Mm-hmm. And we have never had more people talk about abuse in a church. I mean, you train up on the, the little subtle things that mm-hmm. happen that can push your people into directions that they should not be going uh, because of your position. They can't say no to you. You talk all the things. But I, I, so I was thinking about the, the, the first order of apostleship being constitutional, mm-hmm. the Messiah's order, the church order. Mm-hmm. And looking at the hallmarks of those to really determine what type of apostle you are under mm-hmm. or what type of one you are. That was good. You like that, huh? Too well today. You were talking about in the beginning the initial commission, wrapping up Moses' law, the Great Commission, right, of uh, being a part of Abraham's covenant. Mm-hmm. This is 
why we need to be educated. <laughs> I mean, we think we're confused, and people are genuinely confused, mm-hmm. because we think the Bible is confusing, but it isn't. Because we don't have these apostles that are out there trained, knowledgeable, and educated in our Bible history, mm-hmm. religion, deities, kings, eras, times, laws, all those things that have nothing to do with the feeling in a sermon, we think that God is confusing. This is why people cannot reconcile their Christianity. Yeah, that's it. They can't. They can't. The pastor can't because it's not for them to reveal. Mm-hmm. It's not been given to them to do. And, I mean, that breaks down alone. Somebody said, now, that was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that breakdown alone was powerful to me. Mm-hmm. As a, and not just because you're called a ministry. An everyday Christian. Yes. Can find some benefit in that distinction. I mean, we are so linear in how we think about God and how we think about our Christianity. It's either this or that. It's one or the other. It just doesn't even enter our mind that mm-hmm. God can have a multiplicity of things happening. No, no. And now we as individuals can. Mm-hmm. We have. Gotta, okay, today in the role of mom, I have to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. In the role of teacher, I have to prepare for a class. In the role of this, I have to do that. All of these things happening. At the same time. At the same time in the same day. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out, okay, I have six hours to make these ten things happen. <laughs> and we just don't think that God has this mm-hmm. He's just is thinking about how much he loves us. And wants to make us comfortable. And wants to make us happy as Christians. And he wants to give us the mm-hmm. desires of our heart, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with him in our lives. That is all. That is it. And so to hear these complexities of our salvation be defined, mm-hmm. be um, extracted from all this doctrine, and then defined is very refreshing. Mm. Okay, one more thing. You got Another it. Property idea. I'm going to say, I'm going oh, to she, she got her own. I yeah. think she, got, she has her own. She'll I be all right. I have to say this. When you said that Jesus came down from heaven, for Abraham, Moses, and the list goes on, but he took Paul to heaven three times. Three times. Did you see me had to go above? Yeah, you did. You tilted. <laughs> because of what he was called to do and what did and did not even exist back then mm-hmm. for them to do. Makes a difference, too, in what your assignment is. Is God coming to you, or is he taking you to his world? That's very important. Man, I mean, it's the difference between a high official coming to, let's say, your business mm-hmm. to stop by and visit versus inviting you to their home. To their home. Or their office. Or their office. Their inner office. Or wherever they, mm-hmm. wherever they are stationed. Oh, wow, so-and-so stop by. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. I was invited in. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. But you in. Okay. You really in. Well, bye. What did you say? Well, bye. Mm-hmm. Life as you know is over. It's over. When they bring you in to their world. That's so true. You know, and I'll tell you something. I think we talked about this, if not during the event, a little before. God asked me of, of what I think is a very um, unnerving question about apostleship. And that question, I had to nurse it for a while. I really did. And I said, hmm. He said, tell me this. What is it about apostles that I never let anybody train them except myself? What is it about apostleship 
that I reserve the right to train them personally that is that is not related to or not in any other office. Most people don't realize Jesus trained nothing but apostles. He preached to everybody. Right. He only trained apostles. Hey, Periscope, did you like that? Because he said, so why is it, what is it about that office that I reserve the right to train them personally and I don't delegate it to anyone else? I remember when God um, was, was, when I got saved and immediately he brought me, I told you I went to heaven, I did, he just took me up there, look, you're going to know this, this is what you're going to do, on and on and on. And so I remember everybody was like, well, you should go to, well, I'm going to um, Hagen School, I'm going to ORU, I'm going to this class. So I'm, I, I'm a woman of order. I wanted to go to school. I'm, I want to go to one of them. Jesus, I want to go. I was crying. I'm telling you, I was such a brat because I didn't know any better. You know, I'm like maybe maybe six months or a year in God, a year in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, I want to go. And every night he had me up reading the Bible, studying the Bible, reading dictionaries, going through all of that. Every single day, and I'm like, but they're going to school, and they got to eat this. And I'm like, wow, Jesus himself broke through, and I will never forget his words. I will never, he said, I can send you to any one of my prophets to train you. He said, and they're all good, but I chose to train you myself. Well, after I got over humiliation and crying and embarrassment, I realized being a woman coming off my, you know, corporate job, when that when the head decides to train you personally, that's a very different honor and dignity because they are giving you a what I call in our APB program, I I call a verbatim education because they want to verbatim replicate themselves. And so from that moment on, I never, I didn't ask him again. I, first of all, I was too scared to ask without shame. But I didn't ask him again. I stayed with that word. And so when he came back, he was almost reconnecting those two instances in my life. And he said, so what is it about apostles that I reserve the right to train them personally? Well, if Jesus is just your Savior, you won't have any, any clue. You won't have any clue. If he is just your father, you won't have a clue. If he's your elder brother, you can't answer that question. So I'm going to leave that question hanging in the wind and see how many of you all will attempt, will attempt to answer it between now and tonight. Hallelujah. Compliance. That's a big deal with apostles because it's a big deal to God. So you want to share some um, comments before we go to prophet idea? I think most people were taking notes most of the time. <laughs> Again, we were in two ways. School. Uh, let's say something that was delicious. Yes, this is good. Flowing with you. Great teaching. Gotta get with heaven. I gotta get with heaven. Gotta get in alignment with heaven. I like that one. And tell the truth. Hallelujah. I love how you say God cannot bless wrong or honor error. He can't do it. He tolerates. And people think because God. You know, Ashley, because God indulges and he tolerates, but there are a lot of wrong and error. We tolerate some babies and children, and we bless them. We, 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 we go ahead on and reward them anyway because of their effort and their intent and their ignorance. 
But when you get older, God never blesses rebellion and resistance. He has to judge. He has to judge it. So anyway, prophet idea. Yes, such a powerful exhortation today. Um, I won't repeat what was said. There were so many good things that came out. Um, I would just say I I love the delineation and 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 the separation that you made and the distinction so that people will understand, you know, obviously where their particular apostle is going to lead them based on where they've been. So I think that you really map that out today, um, just in terms of that understanding, whether they've been to that place that, you know, that deep place, you know, behind the, the hundredth veil or whether they've just been in the courtyard. I think that's important for people to understand where their apostles have been with God so that they know where they're actually going to be able to lead and what they have the capacity to do. So I thought that was really powerful. I haven't heard that kind of separation. Um, We haven't heard it. So I thought that that was really, really powerful for you to really bring that forward today and helping us understand that there are varying levels of how you do apostleship. Um, So really, really powerful distinction today. I think so too. And you know, this folks is this is part of my class. We are starting school in September. You have got, gotten a taste of the education that awaits you when you enroll in our school this year. You understand that this is not Bible study information. This is not roundtable discussion. This I gave you a full lecture on it so that you'd understand. Uh, as far as our, and it comes up out of our apostolic uh, education program. We have an apostleship education program. We have prophetic ed. We all have heard about that. And, 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 and it's very well-rounded. One of the things that I encourage people to do is get a quality education so that you can become a thought leader. leader. Price University's model is learn today and lead tomorrow. Because that's what it is. We, we cannot lead tomorrow if we don't take time to learn today. So we, we have some limited classes online, but the truth be told, you need to be in the environment under the light and under the radiation of the educator so that you can catch what is taught and still learn what you should catch. And it's important that you do both. So I encourage you, I know Prophet Ashley, before she goes, wraps this up, she'll tell you how to go to the website and, and how to start getting any information. If you want to call and get personal contact, we have a number, 877-419-1299. But, Prophet Ashley, wrap it up for me about the school. We're starting soon. Yes, and Prophet Adia, I know you oh, let her do it. Yay! We'll put you on the hook, Prophet Adia. So, and, but I'm saying to you, you know, you want to know, because some of you are like, I've been to a lot of schools, I know a lot, I've done a lot, and that's fine. But as an aggregate, you know, speaking for the aggregate of education, Christian education out there, we still lost this man's world. We still lost his planet. We had to scrap to get one more voice in the White House, and a a large percentage of his people don't even like that voice because they can't hear Jesus in that. They can't see what the Lord is suffering. It takes that first order of apostles to articulate God's issues enough for his people to, first of all, sympathize with him. God's people do not sympathize with his suffering. They don't. They don't care. They think, well, Jesus can't be suffering now. Yes, he is. He's putting up with you and me. He's suffering. We're problems. And so 
when if you want to move into that dimension where we can actually not just preach the world of uh, the world um you know and discuss with us but we can face off i want that mars hill that Oropagus education in you. I want you to be able to sit down with the thought leaders and talk about that thing. I want you to begin to give the, the answers for God that really make sense and drop those that he's calling to him. We're not going to win everybody, but you know what? We can win respect. We may not win every soul, but we can win respect. You know, even arch enemies have a respect for each other. We don't even have that. We don't have that. Deep, lifelong rivals still have a respect for each other. They'll say, well played, well done. We don't have that. So I invite you to, if you care about your calling and your call to ministry or your call to be in marketplace or business or whatever your call is to fulfill the Lord's commission to disciple and convert this generation to Jesus Christ, you need to be in a school that will give you that information. It is wonderful to say, I've got, I went here and I got this. We hear it all the time, Ashley. Well, you know, i got so-and-so degrees. Yeah, but you haven't done this for Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I say to every, everybody that says, it, yeah, but you're in an institution that is built on taking out Jesus Christ. So all of our accolades, we got A's in the plan to take them out. That's how we became cultural. Now we have to deculturize ourselves. We have to demodify ourselves. We can no longer walk in cultural modification and say this is great. We need to gather up our degrees, gather up our education, gather up our, our businesses, our expertise, and bring them to the altar of Christ for him to sanctify them and use them to his advantage. Because you were in schools that didn't let you talk about Jesus, didn't let you talk about Christianity. You had to learn about Zeus. You had to learn about mythology. You had to learn about Buddha. You had to learn about Buddhistic healing. You had to learn about Hindu chants and all of those other things, but you couldn't bring Jesus Christ in and you still finished in that program, what does that say? So congratulations on your education, but we now need you to weaponize it for the king. Prophet Adia, we're going. Bye, Periscope. Bye-bye. All right. Well, you've been listening live to the Paula Price Show. Today we are on blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Again, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. We're here every Thursday, 11 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Central. Make us your favorite Thursday broadcast. Make sure you set your calendar, set your alarm to remind you that the Paula Price Show comes on every Thursday at 11 a.m. We want to say welcome, welcome. If this is your very first time listening with us, we say welcome to our first-time listeners. We're so glad to have you. You can get in touch with Dr. Price via Facebook, online at drpaulaprice.com sorry, at facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. You can also get in touch with her on Twitter if you're a Twitter user at twitter.com slash Dr. Paula Price. Her handle on Twitter is at Dr. Paula Price. Really easy to remember. If you're just transferring over from Periscope, we want to welcome you to the call. If you could, press number one if you'd like to speak to Dr. Price in this second hour because we want to get to your calls. All right, a few announcements for you guys. We want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. As Dr. Price has already expressed, Thank you for participating with us for Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute 2017. Now we are setting our sights on our apostleship 
Summit, which is coming up the third week in November. It's the week right before Thanksgiving. So stay tuned, stay tuned. You'll have all the information on how you can register for the Apostleship Summit in November. It'll be online very soon. This weekend, you'll be able to get all your registration information for the Summit 2017. So we are setting our sights ahead for November. Dr. Team will be with Apostle Nona Parker of Antioch Christian Assembly in August the beginning of August, so stay tuned for details about that. If you are in the Chicago area, we really encourage you to join us. We're going to be in Joliet at Antioch Christian Assembly that first weekend, I believe, in August. So more details to come, but Dr. Price is going to be coming your way if you live in Chicago. So please plan on joining us for that, and stay tuned to drpaulaaprice.com because we'll post all the details for that Chicago trip there online as well, all right? All right, to let you know how you can get yourself registered, get information about a Price University in our fall semester, you can actually visit us online at priceuniversity.org, www.priceuniversity.org. You can visit us there for all the information. You can also give us a call, and we can walk you through the process for how you can start your enrollment and start your application. So, again, visit us online priceuniversity.org, or give us a call at 877-419-1299. Again, 877-419-1299. We'll take your call. We'll give you all the information that you need on how you can enroll for this upcoming semester. We are an online school and a campus school, so many of you have expressed interest in the online program, and many of you express interest in the campus program. We encourage you, give us a call, 877-419-1299. We'll give you some details on how you can get the process rolling. So we're so excited to be able to announce that to you guys. All right. So again, visit Dr. Price on Facebook throughout the week. Don't forget to join her tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. for Prophetic Ed, 8 o'clock p.m. on Periscope and also Facebook Live. So join us tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. You can get all the details, drpaulaaprice.com. So we'll see you tonight. Press that number one if you'd like to speak to Dr. Price in this second hour. Prophet Ashley, I'm going to turn it back to you. All right, thank you, Prophet Adia. We'll be right back after these messages. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but how do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when He made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery, you. Our Standardized Ministry Assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom-designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe, not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. 
Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number, they give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, the Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPMG. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through Scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. Dr. Paula A. Price does it again with Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. In her customary exhaustive style, she breaks the seal on yet another striking dimension of Christian faith and truth. Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum is aptly dubbed the history of eternity as revealed in scriptures because it captures and tells the story of eternity from its founder's perspective. Order your copy today and give us your feedback. Tell us how Before the Garden revolutionized your walk with Christ at www.beforethegarden.com. Do you have an upcoming conference or want to order a supply for your bookstore? Now is the perfect time to order copies for your network, mentees, or friends. Just pick up the phone and dial 877-419-1299, extension 1001, and ask for Adia Peterson to get bulk discount orders and place your order today. Are you a prophet or apostle? Is your desire to help God's ministers come into their true identity and calling? Would you like to make a supplemental income while still doing what you love most, serving God as his kingdom agent? Now PPM Global Resources offers an exciting employment opportunity for apostles and prophets. We want to employ you to do what God made you to do for him. 
We work in the industry of ministry and want to bring the industry to your ministry. Imagine getting paid a regular income for doing what you already do. Think about doing more than prophesying or waiting for your next preaching opportunity to fulfill your calling. Now, PPM Global has created gainful employment positions for your mantle, just like pastors and teachers have enjoyed for ages. Sign up as an affiliate agent or independent sales consultant, and you'll be able to share PPM Global's unique ministry model with your associates and colleagues and share the revenue PPM Global gains from your initiative. Or join PPM Global's team of advisors, coaches, and mentors and take part in shaping the next generation of fivefold ministers for Jesus Christ. Wherever you fit, you'll enjoy the benefits of collaborating with PPM Global, including a means of increasing your contacts and income without increasing your workload, the opportunity to be a gainfully employed, bona fide apostle or prophet, the privilege of shifting the church back to apostolic and prophetic leadership, and the honor of placing God's people in their right purpose and destiny. Apply today, get trained, change lives, and earn more. PPM Global Resources. Explore the possibilities. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions, and ventures, businesses, and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. All right, and we are back for the second portion of today's Paula Price Show. I want to invite you to press that number one. If you have a prayer request for Dr. Price, if you need a prophetic word concerning a specific situation in your life, give us feedback about today's show. How about this? If you are at the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, we want to hear feedback from you too. Share with our listening audience how it changed your life because we all walked away changed from the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. So go ahead and hit that number one. There is room in the lineup for you today. Okay, Dr. Price, we're back. Well, it's good to be back. And and it's true. Literally, everybody I want to hear from you about the event. I know I was changed, and I and I hosted it. Actually, I was changed, <laughs> and we definitely want to pray for you. Um, I want to say as we're as you're all signing on and, and and hitting the number one, I want to talk to you. You know, the Holy Ghost says that there is a young mother whose child has been struggling with a particular disease. I see this little baby. I don't know. He's somewhere around. I want to say nine months, maybe a year old, and he has a breathing issue. I mean, this, this kid, every time you turn around, his chest and his lungs are, uh, and his breathing apparatus have been really struggling, and you've been back and forth. But God says to tell you today, I'm going to heal your son. 
I'm going to heal your, heal your little boy. You've prayed and you've offered him up. So this is what I want you to do. With you're that mother, and you may not be on the line now, and you'll listen later, but listen to this. God wants you to bring your child, lift him up to heaven, and consecrate your son because God says he called him to be a little Samuel for him. And so God wants to make sure, because your family has followed religions that don't make sense, but this little boy is important to the Holy Ghost. So the Lord says to tell you, lift your child up, anoint your baby with oil, offer your child up to God, and ask the Lord Jesus to take him and to take him as his servant now, his servant now. Not later, when he grows up. Don't say when he grows up. Say, God, I offer my son to you. I offer my child to you as your servant now because your son is going to do great things for God. And I see that the Lord is going to engineer circumstances where this little boy, by the time he's four or five years old, will be, first of all, he's going to be very bright because God is going to give him a really upgraded brain but he's also going to have to go to special schools. So you need to start praying and saving now, Mama, whoever you are, so that your little baby can go to that school and be groomed by what God wants him to do. But this is going to be a very smart youngster. In addition, I'm looking down the future, and the Lord is showing me that, that he's going to play basketball. He's very going to be a very athletic little kid, from a kid that couldn't breathe, hardly at all as an infant, he's going to be able to play basketball in high school. I see him in high school playing basketball. I see him in the early days of college. He will not go professional, though everybody's going to want him, because at a particular age, I see him at 19, God is going to take him for his own. And he's going to use this young man to do mighty things and mighty works in his name and in his honor. So whoever you are, Mom, anoint your baby today. Give that child to the Lord, and you will not have to visit another doctor for that issue at all in Jesus' name. So says the Holy Ghost. Well, amen. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that in there. How about that? Excellent. Dr. Price, if you can give me a few moments, I need to handle a technical situation, a minor one, and I'll oh, be right back on the line. <laughs> I have something else to say. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm in there. You know, um, I want you to know, as you're listening while she's handling our technical difficulties, um, I want you to know that the Lord wants this generation. You know, this the, the last several generations of children in the world, in our country in particular, and in Christianity, have been hard on kids. I just keep hearing God, hard on children very hard because they have been bought, they have been sold into a culture simply by virtue of being compelled to go to the public school system and going and involving themselves in this world. I would encourage you parents to do yourself and your child a favor and begin to demodify your children. Culturally demodify. Your kids do not need to have phones all day. They don't. They don't need to have phones where they can talk to their friends and pick up trash all day. Your kids do not have to have hours in their room alone doing we don't even know what. Much of what happened to these children has got to do with too many uh, cultural and technological liberties. If you want God to do something with your child, you want God to help your child, then let me say this to you today, mother and father, dad, mom, 
aunt, uncle, grandmother, it doesn't matter. Let me say this to you. You cannot give your child away and keep them for Christ at the same time. You have to decide whether or not you gave birth to something Jesus wants. And my Bible says he wants it all. So you're going to have to stop that. Those of you who let your children sit up in church listening to music and whatever, shame on you, parents. Shame on you that you would let your child think so little of the God that you served, that you would do that. Your child does not need a phone in school. I mean, in, well, they might need it in school, in church. When you walk in those church doors, put your child's phone in your purse, in your pocket. They can get it back when they get in the car. Teach your children to be reverent to the Lord because they're going to be out in the world, and they're going to need him. And, and as irreverently as they treat him, Many of them won't even know how to pray. They won't know how to call on Jesus for help because you let them know that their personal preferences and their pastimes are more important than anything else. Your children do not need all of that pastime. And so I'm encouraging you today to begin to be parents. Start parenting your child. Stop letting social media parent your child. Stop letting television and movies parent your child. Stop letting school and culture parent your child. Parent your child because when it's all said and done, God may deal with those institutions because of their trashing a generation, but he will deal with you according to how you handle the precious gift of life he entrusted you. Be a parent. I'm asking God, my prayer today is that God breathe a movement in the planet called Be a Parent Again. Pick up the mantle of parenthood. Pick up the yoke of parenthood. Pick up the reins of parenthood. Lead your child to a healthy life, a safe life. Your children should not be online talking to all kinds of things, and you don't know. If you are paying the electrical bill, you need to know what's going on in their rooms. Stop talking about you don't have a right. If you pay, you say. That's the law of the land. Everybody knows. You pay, you say. So you are going to get in those computers and find out what your children are doing. You're going to get into those phones and find out what your children are doing. You need to clone them. You pay for them. You clone them. You need to watch over your child. Now, I don't usually spend this kind of time, so I know there's no mistake in God, but obviously there's some abuse coming down on children. It's going to be worse than what we've ever seen, and it's going to be very technologically uh, initiated, launched, and uh, empowered. You need to watch over your children. You need to teach your children that, to, that they their lives are important. And I want to talk to you all about these dating kids. You've got your kids going out with all kinds of people, not knowing what's going on in their lives, not knowing the child, the home, whatever they're all, whether they're all called witches, whatever. You don't know. You're just so happy your child got a date that, and that your girl has a boyfriend that you don't know what you're selling your child to. Be a parent. Pick up the yoke of parenthood. Pick up the mantle of parenthood. Take up the reins of parenthood. I'm speaking to every one of you today under the sound of my voice because you are asking God why he didn't watch over your kid, and God is asking you, why didn't you watch over your kid? You're asking God, why didn't he save your child? He's asking you, why didn't you let him save your child? Some of you all, you don't let your children, you tell your children they don't have to go to church. They go to school, go to school every day, but you don't care that they don't go to church. When they go to church, you don't care that they don't listen. You leave church and you don't sit down and discuss the Lord with them and let, make sure that they know the Lord, and then you want to hold God responsible because you don't want a parent. I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you today, parents, by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of the living God. Be a parent. 
to take up the reins of parenting over your child. You send your children to these proms, all half-dressed, send your daughters out like whores. Daddies, those are your daughters. What? I don't even understand the fathers that are going to turn their children, their precious daughter, over to some sloppy kid or some, some, some kid that doesn't know anything but his hormones. You're a dad. Why are you turning your child over? Why are you giving your child away? Why are you dressing your child like a whore? Why are you doing that? Where is your fatherhood instinct? Where, are, where is your, your concern for your dad? You have a precious treasure. You pay for these kids. You go to work for them every day. You buy them clothes and food. You labor to put a good roof over their head and then throw them to the wolves the minute they become teens. And then you say, oh, daddy's losing his little girl. No, you're not. You're not losing your little girl. You're giving her away. And you're giving your daughter away so many times. By the time you give her away to her husband, it doesn't matter. Father, father your children. Father your sons. Father your daughters. It's important. I'm telling you by the spirit of the living God. Daddy, don't just be a, 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 a handout. Don't just be a, a, a purchaser. Go and be a father. Take your child out. Take your kids out yourself. Many fathers do not take their daughters out to dinner because they think that they sort of hang with the boys. But if you were a, a, a closer father, your daughter wouldn't seek all of that affection and intimacy from little boys. Be a dad. And I'm talking about wholesome. I'm not telling you, uh, no matter what, am I advocating fathers go and, and obviously molest your daughters. But I'm saying be your daughter's male friend. Take your daughter out. Take her shopping. I don't care that you have a wife who can do it. You do it. Mom, take your sons out. Give them the model of a decent woman, of a, of a, of a, of a young lady, so that they can see. Parent your children. The Holy Ghost, it says to you, and he says to all America, parent your children. You cannot continue to hold God responsible for the kid that shouldn't have been out on that date in the first place, for the boy that should not have been hanging out on the corner. You cannot hold God responsible for the, the rewards of culture, for what we sell. Your children are not meat. They are not cultural meat. They are not social meat. Your children are your, your seed. They are your future. They are who will take care of you when you get older. And I hear God saying today, whatever is coming down on this planet against youngsters, particularly in our country and the other, you know, developed countries, whatever it is, your kid doesn't have to get caught up in it. You need to consecrate your children to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to hold him accountable for their well-being, then you need to make sure they're saved. You need to make sure they understand him. You need to make sure that they reverence him. They may not like him, but that's okay because they're young. Kids don't like anything. But it's your job to look out for your, cho your child's spiritual safety and not just their physical well-being or their social happiness. Parent your children, says the Spirit of the Lord. Be a mom. Be a dad. Be a grandparent. Care. Care. And stop letting everybody determine how your child will grow up. It is your responsibility. The gift of your child was given to you. And it is your responsibility to see how your child grows up. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord today to you and you parents. Parent your child. Be parents. I just keep hearing God say, be a parent. Are you back? I'm back. Am I technically corrected? Yes. <laughs> then I'll take 
I'll take a call. Thank you. Thanks, Tech <laughs> Thank <you>. Department. <laughs> All right. We have first on the line, James is calling, and he's calling Dr. Price because he needs a strategy. He is moving from the once move from the United States to Jerusalem. This is your James, and uh, would like to know how to make that happen. James, welcome back to the Paula Price Show. Well, I'm going to say you're technically advanced, and God has put it on you to the point that it's just you're just God-preferred. There's nothing anyone can do about it except God just basically made you who you are. And I want to just thank God for who you are and the things that have been happening. And, yes, thanks for your prayers. I've gotten a lot more friendly <laughs> because of what he said through the word. So I'm letting you know that he's been doing it. But my prayer is is that what God has put on my heart as far as, like, what I need to do to close things out because it's like everything right now for me is like closing out but being prepared for the ambassadorial ship world going into Israel. So that would be and pretty much at the end of August. The, end, the of end of August. August? Yeah. Is it a done deal or, or do you have things in the works? Um, I would say it's a done deal, but it's a process. I have things in the work as well. Okay. Because that's what I see. Um, I, I, truthfully, I tell you the truth, you do need some counseling um, because you, you you need somebody who's going to help you organize the processes and the steps mm-hmm. and stages um, to do this. And so I do encourage you to sign up for sign up for a prophetic advisement because then mm-hmm. you can get um, someone who can walk you through it because this is a big thing. I know, James, that when I moved from Jersey to Tulsa, I thought it was just a plane ticket involved. Whoa, was mm-hmm. I So I, I would really encourage you not to um, – not to stab at this. I see that you have some, uh, you do have a lot of matters to close out. I see some, um, I'm, I'm looking at some, um, I want to say contracts, but they're really like bills and, and agreements that you made that have to be closed out properly so that, not because, you know, not a lot of people are chasing Israel, but the fact that mm-hmm. you're, a man, you're a man of honor. And because you're mm-hmm. a man of honor, you want to make sure that everything that is done, is done properly. And so, but okay. I, and I also think that there's a, a priority of, of, of things that have to happen. And for you right now, it's all screaming at the same time. You're going to need somebody to help you sort through all of that so that you can prioritize it according to the most important and most essential to the least. So that when you pack mm-hmm. up and leave, you have literally sealed the and closed off everything that could antagonize your effort because you're going into a land where you're going to deal with a lot of antagonism. You're going to, it just is what it is. And so you may have some great friends there and some whatever, but let's, I'm telling you, when you go into any new region, it is difficult. And unless you have a lot of prayer partners there and a lot of people, you know, praying for you and pulling for you, it's going to be an adjustment. If I had to give you one sound piece of advice on top of that, it would be mm-hmm. don't expect easy street just because. You're going to have very, very good days. There are some people that are going to roll out a carpet for you, but then you're going to have some days where you can't, you can't get a person to just say hello right. So You're spot on. 
be a, be a flex, be adaptable because you have got to know and you've got to be clear on why you're going. You can't just tell different people, every you know, different group a different story. Be very clear. Be focused on why you're there and focus on what God wants because that mm-hmm. focus will point you to the right people, but also preserve you from those that you should not be connected with. Amen. That's what I hear God saying for you today. So I I want you to, uh, and as soon as you possibly can, just go online, you know, my website, drpaulaadvice.com, and and sign up for an advisement. You don't have to do this alone. Mm -hmm. You know? Okay. Prophetic advisement, right? Yes, and that, that okay. way, and then and you could just get somebody to coach you through this process. You know, it's not deep. You don't have to have, you know, I want to have a whole big therapy. You just need somebody with a, an orderly, logical mind to help you because you're so excited, you're enthusiastic, you've got a lot going on, and, you know, and you've got, you know, a, a lot of things that could distract you or prioritize themselves in a way that make it ineffective for you. And you'll get on your plane and you'll head that way, but you'll be plagued by a whole lot of unfinished business. Hey, I'm going to say amen. I'm going to say as soon as I get off basically this, I'm going to just go into that and get that basically done as soon as possible. Great. So let me pray so we can get you going and I can get a few more calls in. But that's really what I feel for you. Father God, we bless you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. We bless you, God, for your son, Jesus Christ. We bless you for his salvation and the magnificent things that you have done to change our world by your Holy Spirit. I'm lifting up James to you. I'm asking God that you would speak to him in that logical, orderly fashion that will cause him to conclude his business and his affairs here and also speak set up what he needs to walk into when he gets to Israel. I'm asking that you would put counselors around him and guides and assistants to, to, to direct his steps and to let him know this is the way to go, walk me therein. So I bless you for that. And when he gets there, God, I thank you for surrounding him with favor. I'm asking that you would assign messengers and ministers of favor to him to help him get settled, to guard his way and to keep him in all of his ways as he goes forward on this assignment. I thank you, Lord, that you protect him, that you cover his finances, that you meet every need in a hallelujah in the name of Jesus. And we bless you for doing it, Father. Amen and amen. Amen. And I love you and honor honor you much in God. Thank you. Okay, I'll be hearing from you soon, I know. So God bless you. Okay, very soon. Okay, bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. All right, Dr. Price. And once again, if you are listening on today's show, you want to get slid on in today to get a prophetic word, prayer from Dr. Price, or feedback from today's show, go ahead and press that number one. Next on the line, Dr. Price, we have Lynn from Maryland. And she's calling in today because she would like prayer for her children and her family as a whole. Lynn, welcome to the Paula Price Show. God bless you, Dr. Price. Bless you too, Lynn. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How's your job? Um, It's going well. My health is better. Okay. So I'm thankful. And kids? The children, um... They're good. I um, what you were talking about, 
um, earlier is has been my prayer. I I am a believer of monitoring what my children watch. My children are young, but I have a stepson who comes over and he kind of can do what he wants to do. And I have a problem with that because you're coming into the home with my children. My son looks up to him and he wants to follow him and I kind of like pull him away. And I don't know if I'm wrong for that or not, but I just don't want that, that, the way of the world to be kind of infused with him. I listen to what my stepson listens to. I asked my husband, I said, do you all monitor his cell phone use? He says, no. Do you all take his phone at a certain time? No, neither him nor his mother. And I'm thinking he's 12. Why not? And so that concerns me. It bothers me. As a matter of fact, I prayed about it and and I'm concerned for my children. I, I try to raise them up read the word to them, teach them the word. I have my six-year-old reading the word. I'm, I'm just trying to constantly keep the word before them and, and teach them about Jesus Christ and teach them about the Lord and how to live holy and how to walk uprightly. Um, this is a concern for me, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to say it without my husband being offended, but I, I don't like it. Well, have you and your husband talked about, well, let me say this. Let me start with this one. Have you and your husband come to terms and agreement on how your children are going to be raised, period? In other words, do you know what he believes about child rearing? Because it seems to me you all have two different of opinions. Well, I, I think as far as, as our children, we are in agreement with them being, and, and my stepson, he, he has accepted Christ. Um, it's just that he kind of, he, he kind of lets his mother pretty much run the way. Not that they both shouldn't have equal say, but it's kind of like whatever she says goes. Okay. And so when, when he comes over, I try not to overstep my bounds, but at the same time, in my mind, you're still a child. You're not going to come in here and do whatever it is that you want to do. And I, and I vocalize that maybe a little bit too much, but I just don't want that influence. Well, the first thing I want you to do is put away fear. Okay. okay. The first thing you yes. is put away fear and pass. That's number one. He is a little okay. boy. He is not yes. an ogre. A little boy trying to find his way, watching his father have a whole other family apart from him. Absolutely. And watching him be knowing he's quote unquote the second class citizen because of his mom. So I want you to put that away and I want you to think what would you feel like as a kid who was born to another, you know, mother and you're visiting your father and you know you only have snatches of time with him while his new family has all of his time with him. So I want you I, to be a part of his healing. Okay? okay. As well yeah. as and his and his security, because he's, he's got to feel very insecure. So I want you to, yeah. that's the second thing, so give up fear, and we're going to start thinking about him as a little boy and not an ogre, okay? okay. He's not there to be a major infection to your family. He's You, okay. you are a smart lady, and I'm going to tell you this. This is what I want you to think. I want you to find out about how to bond with him as a parent. You're not, re- not going to replace his mom, but you have to make him feel valuable. That's been my prayer, Apostle. And um, one of the things that I wanted to say was that um, 
he he did something uh a couple of weeks ago and his his mom and his dad uh spoke about it and he came and he apologized to me and I just asked him I said well what's going on with you and he just shook his head nothing and I said you're hurting aren't you and and I could see the tears getting ready to stream from his eyes and I and I was eating with my son at the table and I said we'll pray after this and and I went up there and I prayed with him and I wanted to let him know that I know that there's hurting you the issue is is, is that his mom and his dad aren't addressing that. See, his mom is married also. So he, he he's also in that. Yeah. You know, they don't know how to address it. You know, yeah. you all really need family counseling, to be honest with you. you I agree. Need- I've suggested it. Well, but, but, you know, let me tell you why. When your husband says no, just let him know this is not about whether or not he's a good dad or whether or not he could have done things differently. This is about him producing his heart's desire, which is a wholesome, healthy family. Yes. If he's sad, he's going to do it. So when you get off the phone, I want you to go to drpaulaprice.com, and we have a prophet, um, Dr. Allspears, who does all of our family. That was his education and all of that. I think that your family would benefit from him. Right, okay. You know, right. The second thing is that I would love for your son to be given, uh, have, take some sessions with Prophet Adia. She works with youngsters, and she's very good. And what he can't say to you, he can say to her. What he can't okay. tell you or say he feels, she does it with youngsters around the country. And all you have to do is go online and say you want some counseling, you want to set up a program for your son, your 12-year-old son, So because he, your son feels alienated. I mean, yeah. he does. He's just my son, but he feels that animated. And so he does, like, I don't know where I fit. I don't know where I fit in my mom's marriage. I don't know where I fit in my dad's marriage. I don't know where I fit anywhere because I don't have a place. And so right. as you go through the counseling, you're going to have to have, I'm, I'm sure that Dr. Spears will help you and your husband, and I think you all should talk to him first, but your husband is going to have to not take the, his son's needs as a personal failure. Right. Because the, the two don't have to be. You can let them listen to my comments. The two don't have to be. But but if he is the dad that I think he is, he wants what's best for his child. He clearly wants his child in his life, and he wants to be in his yeah. life. And I have to realize his limitations. There are a lot of life decisions parents make that limit their parental effect on their children. It's just how it turns out. You just limit it. It closes up. If the child feels like, hey, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust you with this or that or, at all. But if you listen to this plan, I believe that by the time we get to 2018, you will have a new family. Okay. When we get to the end of 2018, you will have a new family. You need the, you and your husband need the counseling so that you all can just deal with some things and get on the same page. So yeah. I don't care. How what his mother says, your son, your stepson is old enough to understand, sweetheart, we know mom, your mom lets you do all of those things because she lives in a different house, she has a different set of rules. Here, we need you to know, we want you to fit in with us, and this is one of the things, or these are the things that will help us all fit in together because you have a place here. And when you come, okay. you have a place here because this, this child has no place in his mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, yes, I you do. know, he, and so that's what I would think. And so when I hang up, it's drpaulaaprice.com. I want you to go and I want you to do two things. I want you to do two different advisements. One is going to be for you and your husband and your family with Dr. Spears, and another is going to be with Prophet Adia for your 12-year-old for him to have a place. He needs a place. Okay. 
a person, a sounding board, a confidant. Okay. All right? So let's pray. Yes. Father, thank and you. Dr. Thank you. Yes? Oh, I was just going to ask you if you could um, also pray for um, my six-year-old and my 17-month-old also. Well, I'm praying for your family. Okay. You know, I'm not picking and choosing anyone. You said family. I see children and family. So I'm praying yeah. for your family. Okay? Because, and I want you to understand, whether you like it or whether it makes sense to you or not, you have three lives you're now responsible for. I understand okay. totally. Yeah, but I want you to think differently. Because yes. if you think then you will see him as an asset. And your job is to make him an asset to your family so that he will care about what the younger ones do. You have to make him a brother. He's not a brother right now. Okay. So your language and your actions and your trust and all of that, I mean, gradually, it's not going to be a whole hog. It takes the time it takes. But right now, I'm going to pray that God makes him an older brother. Okay. Because when God makes him an older brother, then you will not be trying to tell him how he he has to stop having fun because you have kids. And he doesn't have to stop doing what he wants because his dad went off and had some other, another family. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Yes, yes. I want you, and I'm going to pray that God makes him puts upon him the spirit of an elder brother. Then he has a place, he has a purpose, and all of those kinds of things. Because a lot of what you say, you can just talk to him, and he, he will, from what I'm seeing about the kid's spirit, he will talk to you, and he's bright. He's a bright, he's a bright young man. So yes, he is. But if you, do, okay. if you continue to say, my kids and our children, he will never take on that mantle of the older brother. Okay. And I We're do that family. a lot. Well, you have to, but obviously you're going to have to do it a little more because he's not buying in. So we have to find a way to get him to buy into it. You okay. know? And especially yeah. if he has his mother undoing everything that you do. Yeah. Father God, we thank you. I thank you for Lynn. I thank you for families like her. You know, Lord, we have a lot of blended families out of there. Out there. I'm asking God that you begin to be the blender, the, 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 healer and Lord the glue that forges the family's unit and the family spirit so that these young children, these these youngsters who don't know what happened to their lives, Lord, find a place of settlement. I thank you for speaking to every parent, every mom, every dad, every everyone out there. I'm thanking you for speaking to them I, and Lord and giving them wisdom and insight on how to unite their families in one as a unit so that they become brothers and sisters and not just the children thrown together, forced to be together, or, or children that are, you know, visited and therefore separated by just the two-parent households. I'm asking that you bless this, God. Bless Lynn's children. Bless them with your peace. Bless them with your safety and your security. Bless them with the hunger for you, God. I'm asking that you establish her children, establish them the way they want, and give her the mother's heart and let her know that it's there. 
even for this troubled youngster, because she clearly loves him. She clearly wants to do right by him. But, God, I'm asking for you to take over this situation. So we gather them up today, God, as a family, and we bring them to your altar, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you receive them on your altar of not just holiness but wholeness and begin to do the work by your Holy Spirit in their household. In, in the, the older son's household and in Lynn's and her husband's household. And we're asking God that you would take away the, the sense of alienation from this young man and the spirit of estrangement from him. And, Lord, begin to let him feel safe and feel welcome in their world as well as in the home that he is with his mother. I'm asking you to do it. And, Lord, as our, as our counselors step in and, and begin to minister to them as you lead, I thank you that it falls on good ground and that the, the breakthrough happens quickly, God. I thank you for that. And I ask that you would give Prophet Adir the heart of this young man and his spirit and one of the sorrows of his soul and lead her and guide her into helping him be free and to grow into the mighty, mighty minister and the mighty, mighty leader you've called him to be in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Price. You're very welcome. Keep us posted. We're interested in watching the progress in this situation. I certainly will. Thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley, can I throw another one in there? Yes, and you know what? We'll find out together who it is because the buttons were being pushed when you were going into prayer, so I didn't want to jump off the line. <laughs> well, 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 hey, this year, we'll just spin the wheel and see what comes up. Here we go. All right, Carla, thank you for calling into the Paula Price Show. This is Prophet Ashley. Um, I'm speaking to the person whose area code is 832. And please tell us your first name, the state you're calling from, and your prayer request today for Dr. Price. Oh, good afternoon. This is Elaine. I'm calling from Pennsylvania. I was calling um, for prayer for um, uh, healing in my family. There's a lot of um, strife and just uh, tail-bearing and everything, and I just needed prayer on that. Well, hi, Elaine. Thank you for calling today. Are we talking about adult family members? Yes, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, are your parents alive? No, no, they're both deceased. And how long ago did they have they been gone, or did they pass? Oh, I think at least um, uh, thirty-five, forty years ago. So your, so you all, your whole family grew up what young? Uh, I mean, you know, under other family members who raised them. Oh, no, I, I was um, 24 whenever my mom died. I was 17 when my dad died. Okay. Now, the reason I'm asking you is because some, somewhere along the line, there is an authority figure or a new authority figure that's entered your family unit, and as a result, they're changing the rules because they are posturing for power in the family. So what mm-hmm. recent situations have altered the complexion and composition of your family oh okay my eldest sister died in 98 and so we kind of like honored her as you know the eldest sister but then after she passed everybody kind of like there was no she kind of kept the family together okay 
So so they tended to drift apart after her death. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you're, you're calling now because you said there's a lot of infighting. So that suggests that that's some, a recent development, is it? Oh, um, they it, it's gotten worse now. I, I moved away and just came back to Pennsylvania. And so now I'm in the middle of it, whereas I was away from it before. And um, But now it's like... Um, and then I'm coming into the situation, and they're looking at me like, who she thinks she's God or something? And um, and I'm like, just because I'm trying to walk, you know, the way the Bible says. Um, and uh, so that's that's kind of like put me in the middle of it, um, whereas I okay. kind of distance myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Help us, help us out a little bit here, if you don't mind. I need you to help mm-hmm. us out a little bit. Give us a, a particular example of what makes it different and what's actually bothering you? What prompted this call? Um, a lot of, um, excuse me, lying um, on each other and bringing up, um, just telling a lot of it, a lot of fighting and and, um, um, and 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 just lying. It's just a lot of just backbiting. It's it's like unbelievable that we're brothers and sisters because it's like we're targets of each other it looks okay. like all right and you and how long have you been back in the midst of it Elaine? um last year and a half i was gone for 15 years from pennsylvania okay so i want you to hear this point from from another point of view um mm-hmm. another perspective you were gone for 15 years and for 15 years what you're describing has become your family's culture mm-hmm. would you agree yes yes okay and so it's worked for them. It's, got, it's kind of like as dysfunctional as it is, it worked for them. Mm. Wow. So you've come back a year and a half later, I mean a year and a half ago, and you, you want to go and alter this culture because, well, you want to go and join your family and you want to fix all their issues and adapt them to your experience with Jesus Christ, clearly you were going in there on a religious platform, on a Bible mm-hmm. and all of that. Okay. Yeah. And so, and they're like, why, who are you? Mm-hmm. So I, I want to say that uh, what I can pray, and I'll pray for peace in your family, but I'm, I would strongly urge you to step lightly mm-hmm. because this worked for them. I'll give you an example just for the sake of clarity. I had a couple in my church. And this couple was, the, the husband was just one of those jovial kind of guys. The wife was a, a carping, you know, complaining, whatever, very bossy, very domineering. And so we would have meetings, and the way she talked to that man was just disgusting. So I didn't particularly mm-hmm. like it in the meeting. I began to, you know, so I just kind of asked her about it. Well, she didn't think what she was saying was all that wrong, but he also didn't have a problem with it. But it worked for them. That dysfunctionality was the, the, the linchpin, the nexus, if you will, that held their marriage together. Wow. Now, while it may have been distasteful for all of us who had to look on publicly, in their marital orb, it works fine. So you mm-hmm. want to come in and change what it is. They found out how to live together. They found out how to stay family and how to get along. So you have one of two options. You can, you know, kind of be quiet and let them do what they do and work this in the prayer closet, or you can distance yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you clearly are not ready to be assimilated in their world, and there's more of them than you. Yes. So yes. you can take yourself off the hook. You know, in their mind, you've been gone for 15 years. I mean, who are you? They're like, well, who are you? You know? And as mm-hmm. far as they're concerned, this is what we do. We, we, you know, there are families that just, as we call, do the dozens nonstop, nonstop. Meanest people you ever mm-hmm. want to see. But you know what? That works for them. And so it's not, it's not our call to go in and change everything. You know, they have lived without your intervention for a long time. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want is for your intervention to come with your religion, your Jesus, and all of that, because they clearly have issues with that. But, the, but their thing is, you've been gone, so you haven't earned the right to speak into them. You haven't earned the right to gain their ear and to expect their, their, their uh, cooperation or their, their interest in what you say. That is something that you have to build on, and you're going to have to give them time. Mm-hmm. In, okay. in this case, probably, probably a lot of time, okay? But, <laughs> I would, you know, that would be what I'm saying. But because this is their culture. This is what they do. This is what works. This is what keeps them together. Even if it's fighting and infighting, it works for them. Right now, all of that is a unifying force in their relationships. Wow. Never thought of it that way. It's worked for 13 and a half years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you're going to have to make up your mind whether or not you want to be with them and, and to, to uh, you know, uh, interact with your family as they are and, and, and keep silent and pray and walk in love, or you're going to have to decide that this is not healthy for me, so I'm going to dis my, dis, distance myself. If they need help, I'll be there. You get sick, I'm going to be there, but this isn't healthy for me because that, that right now, what you see, it may be unhealthy for you, but they consider that the health of their family unit. Hmm. Wow. Okay. And yeah, and I just recently, yeah, I just recently distanced myself from them. So then we're just going to, and, and so you can take them as a prayer project. And I would. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't leave them that way spiritually, but you can take them as a prayer project. But you are going to have to recognize that every time you open your mouth, they're going to team up on you. Mm-hmm. You're, going to be the, you're going to be the one that they kick. You're going to be the one that they mob on because you are the outsider. Mm-hmm. And wow. you went there on on family blood and lineage and genealogy and all of that, they don't care about that. They mm-hmm. All they know is that you left us, we've lived without you this long, we don't know you. Yeah. So we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Does that help you? Yes, it does. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pray, and you'll distance yourself if you decide you want to. Um, and and, and if, if your prayers work, this is what you're going to see. Is if you continue and you take this up as a prayer project, because we know that our God wants none to perish, okay? So if you decide to take this up as a prayer project, it is, it is one, and you don't need to go and say, I'm praying for y'all and all of that. They don't care about that. Trust me, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. But 
you if you decide that you're going to take this up as a prayer project, you will know it's working because one family member will reach out to you and begin to talk. That means that you've broken that hedge and you've broken in, in that strong man circle. And so that one will want to reach out and, and begin to talk or invite you to something or whatever, but you will have the first one. And you begin to just love on that one without, you know, all of the you all did and blaming and all of that. And you begin to love them into the grace of God, share Jesus with them, because now you have, your prayer has leveraged your relationship with that person. They came to you. Now, Mm -hmm. again, let's say you continue and the two of you all get together and pray for the rest. And the rest, it can work. You can do this, but you are going to have to do it in your prayer closet first, and you're going to have to pray until God breaks free. Okay. Okay. Prayer. Okay? Yes, it, it, I it, see that. You got a prayer project, babe. This is a real yes. prayer project. <laughs> Bless be God. But you know what? God's dealt with tougher. Yeah. And, and, and there might be, because right now your initial prayer is to deal with the one who hates it but doesn't know there's an alternative to it. Mm-hmm. Because in a group like that, there's always one that is uncomfortable with it, that wishes there was an alternative, that's grieved by it, but has no alternative. And that is the one that you want to come to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then okay. Father God, thank you so much, Lord, for Elaine, and thank you for just giving me the opportunity to speak into her situation, and Lord, giving her an ear to hear. Now, I'm asking that you anoint her for the prayer project. Anoint her to be a behind-the-scenes intervener on your behalf, and, and Lord, put the words in her mouth and cause her to have the zeal and the discipline to pray and pray through, and Lord, to restrain any type of physical overtures until she has reached the break point in that unit. I'm asking, Lord, that you touch the one that's already grieved in their hearts and their soul about it and cause them to be moved by your spirit through her prayers to reach out to their sister. And from there, Lord, I thank you for beginning the work of healing this family and blessing them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Thank you. God bless you. You're very welcome. God bless. And listen, keep us posted because you know we care. Yes, yes. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley. Yes. No room in the end. Well, you knew that's where I was going, right? Yes. Well, are there any other announcements and exhortations that you have on your list since we only have about, what, two minutes? (laughs) I just want to encourage everyone to visit www.priceuniversity.org to find out more information about attending Price University right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as well as online training options. But we certainly want you here with us. You'll be able to, as Prophet Adia already stated, set up a contact, a voice-to-voice, excuse me, voice-to-voice contact with one of our staff members to walk you through the process and answer your questions. But again, that's www.priceuniversity.org. Amen. Well, and thank you for joining me today. I thank you for my callers. Listen, don't forget, 
I'll be back next Thursday. We'll do the Paula Price Show. I like your calls. I like to answer your questions. I love to pray for you and your situation. So don't ever think that we aren't interested because we are. It is your calls that help other people because people learn from what we say to the callers that come on our show. Make sure that you go back and listen to this show again and again because a lot of good stuff came out of it. I'm excited about what came out of it. And don't forget, it is Thursday, and at 8 p.m. tonight, I will be back here again with Prophetic Ed. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a blast. Since I am so fresh from the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, you know I'm going to be on fire. I love you all. I thank God for you. Have a great afternoon, and we will meet again tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time for Prophetic Ed. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Show a Seed. Donate today.